On today's episode, we've got two sellers who are gonna talk about the strategies that help one of them go from selling used books on Amazon to millions of dollars of sales, and the other one now has surpassed the eight-figure mark since he was on the show last. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. We've got two serious sellers on the podcast today. One has uh, been here on the show a couple years ago, and we got one for the first time, Jake. So uh, Jake and Ryan, welcome to the show. All right. Now, like I said, Ryan has been on this podcast before. So if you guys want to get Ryan's whole backstory, he's got some, it was interesting to see his path to, to eight figures uh, here. You know, he was working in Alaska, I believe, and he speaks Chinese, really interesting story. Make sure to go look it up at helium10.com forward slash podcast and just type in episode 83. Uh, and then look up Ryan, and then you'd be able to hear his backstory. But uh, Jake, this is the first time we are meeting you, so we're going to focus on your backstory a little bit here, too, because I don't even know it myself. First of all, where were you uh, born and raised? Uh, Olathe, Kansas, born and raised. I literally drive by the hospital I was born in on the way to work. <laughs> wow, so so you've stayed, you've stayed local then? Uh, yeah, or failed to launch, or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, so Kansas, I've only been there a couple of times. Actually, I, uh, my, uh, my dad was born in Kansas, but I'm just curious, what does a typical, you know, eight, 10 year old growing up in Kansas, middle of Kansas there, what's like your, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, or were you one of those kids who had the entrepreneurial bug or were you, did you want to be a doctor or lawyer? No, I, I used to take a lot of stuff apart. Our house was in the corner of a cornfield. So I didn't really have many neighbors to play with, so I just found things to do by myself. All right, so you went to high school. Uh, upon graduating, did you go into college to to uh, further investigate your loving to take things apart kind of uh, inkling, or what did you do? No, uh, late in high school, I got pretty into photography, and I looked at going out to the Brooks Institute of Photography out in uh, Ventura, California, and had the phone call with their rep and realized it was like $144,000 for three years. And that didn't include living expenses. So that shut that door pretty quickly. Um, I ended up meeting the actual owner of our company. I was photographing and stringing for a local newspaper in Gardner. And we were photographing the same kid at a County fair playing in a mud puddle. So we kind of got the chatting and that's how I met Mark, the guy that owns our company now. Um, he was a photo editor of the newspaper, and I gave him a card I literally made in uh, high school <laughs> in a graphics design class. And So this is like, you're still like 18, 19 years old. This is like right after high school yeah, when you do this? that was probably, probably 18, 19, so if not early, early 19. Um, and that, you know, I was doing the photo thing kind of on the side. So then how did you go from, you know, all those things to be like, hmm, I wonder what e-commerce you know has in store you for know, me. i kind of fell into the e-commerce side of it um uh, working with mark when he was the photo editor you know he'd send me on assignments and whatnot so i kind of got to know him he also had another side business where 
um, they photograph running events all over the country. So marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks, whatever. And I started kind of shooting, shooting with that and traveling a lot. And when the iPhone kind of came out, got real big and smartphones in general got more prevalent, that business took a real hard hit because, you know, people be at the finish line, they take a picture with their cell phone and consider that good enough. They didn't want to go buy the print from the official photographers for the race, even though we had, you know, Mm-hmm. two to 20 photographers on the course, depending on the size of the event. So that made Mark kind of start looking elsewhere because he could kind of see the writing on the wall. Like it drastically changed his business. He read a book about flipping used books on Amazon. And that kind of started his journey. And over the years, as the photo thing just kind of started to dwindle more and more as cell phone cameras got better and better, um, he started doing some retail arbitrage and some stuff. There's some local stores here that uh, they essentially liquidate damage freight. Like the corner of a pallet gets dinged, they reject the whole thing. So there's plenty of brand new product on there and go buy it and flip it. There's some local stores around here, some, you know, just liquidation stores that they'll buy damaged freight, you know, close out stuff, whatever, liquidate it through their store. Generally, a lot of that stuff, brand new, sealed, and you can flip it for profit. Um, so at that time, his, the margins were insane. Like you could make five, six, 700% on an item. So he got real aggressive with that. And I was kind of in between jobs off and on. So I'd come help him and I'd still help with the photo stuff. And it got to a point where he was kind of needing help. So I started helping him and then I started doing it myself. I had my own Amazon account started like a hundred bucks or something, you know, just started buying and flipping stuff. What, what year about are we talking about? Um, he started flipping books around like 2012, which. Okay. So, it, so this was a good uh, eight, nine years yeah, ago. Yeah. Right? It got kind of annoying because we'd be driving across the country, you know, going to a race to shoot and we'd hit every dang thrift store and flea market and whatever. So he could hop out and scan books. It's like, dude, come on. And then kind of started understanding what was going on there, that he was just stopping and picking up stacks of cash. You know, we kind of started out, we didn't really know how far or big it was going to go. Kind of started paying me a flat rate weekly just to come help. And then when I was done with his stuff, I'd work on my stuff. And at a certain point, it's like, this is dumb. Like, I'm doing the same thing. Why don't I just work for you? I'll, if I'm buying, I'll buy for you. And, uh-huh. you know, eight, nine years later, we, one of our brands almost cracked 2 million last year. So it's wow. insane where we started to kind of where we're at. So started, you know, years ago, flipping books, and then you decided to get into the, and then, you know, doing the damaged, uh, damage return things. And then you ended up starting like a private label business based on that. Uh, kind of. I mean, there's a little in between. We, uh, you know, at a certain point we were buying so much so much from the local stores and then i'd made it we made a few contacts with some liquidators that they were just getting the stuff from so we kind of cut out some of the middleman there and we were buying liquidation lots and, and not like you know damage good return type stuff like end of run like discontinued SKUs. you know like we bought a lot of stuff from tommy international there for a while up in iowa and they'd just be done with the SKU, and i'd buy out the remaining inventory and sell it on amazon okay cool cool all right, now let's go back. I'm not sure if he's still alive over there, but, but Ryan, you still with us? Yes. All right, Ryan, uh, catch us up with 
uh, some big events in 2020 for you? I mean, and obviously I'm not talking about world events. We could, we could uh, be talking about that for a long time, but uh, as far as your businesses go, you know, we were talking before last time about, you know, the, the kind of business model you were doing. You had some private label, you had some partnerships going, you were selling a lot on Walmart. You were doing some drop shipping. You were, you were in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different business models uh, for e-commerce. Uh, what were some big changes, big improvements, or the opposite, you know, things that went away. What what happened for you in 2020 as far as your businesses go? Sure. So we talked in November of last year. And since then, I have sold one of my private label brands uh, is in the baby category. I sold that in May. So that was fantastic. Uh, that's cool. Hold on. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. All right. So that seems to be like all the rage now is, you know, uh, people have that as a goal when it wasn't really a goal. It's like, hey, you know, maybe I can sell my my business. So that baby brand that that you had built up, what did you build it up to? Like what was the uh, you know, monthly gross sales or or um yeah, you know what? It was around 40 to 50,000 monthly sales. Uh this is a a brand that I created myself uh outside of the partnership because I did have some issues mm-hmm. with the partners in the past and and uh so I wanted to build something that I would have 100% ownership in so I can benefit uh 100% on the sale of that brand. So yeah. I just got to the point where I had my hands in too many things. I think I had four different business ventures total. So I needed to part with something and I chose that one that because it would give me the most personal benefit from selling. Okay. So it was like a, a six figure brand, private label. And like, how did you go about finding a buyer for it? So I actually- Craigslist? No. Um, I actually contracted with a broker to sell the business. Uh, he actually was in a, one of my masterminds that I'm part of. Cool. Cool. So then you got like, uh, how, how did it work? Was it just a one-time payment kind of thing that you get? And then you just transfer the brand to them or you gave him the whole account or, or what was that process like? Yeah, he acquired the whole account. So I transferred that to him. Um, I, I got the majority of the payment up front at close. And then I think it was about 20% was paid out over the course of about six months. Um, and then inventory also was paid out a short period of time after closing. Pretty cool. All right. So th- there's one of the big events for you. I, I think you said that was May of, of last year. So what else uh, happened? Yeah. So our other private label brand that I have with partners, uh, that one grew a lot in 2020. Um, it basically doubled in in revenue um, on our key products because uh, during COVID, a lot of people were adopting pets. And so they, by nature, needed to buy our pet products for their new pets. Uh, so we actually had problems staying in stock, um, but we were able to manage. And I'm just really excited because last month we finally paid off our remaining debts on that company. Uh, we had some Amazon loans. Um, at some point, it used to be about $200,000 of debt uh, over the years, but now we have finally paid that off. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. And uh, I switched manufacturing to Vietnam. And uh, so that was a big improvement there. How did you find a Vietnamese uh, supplier? So I actually have a friend from middle school that was a sourcing agent in China. He moved to China in 2012. And then uh, I've been talking with him since 2018 or so. And he moved to Vietnam last year to become a sourcing agent there in Vietnam. And he kind of helped me find factories and he was the boots on the ground person to go visit those factories and make sure that everything was correct and they're on schedule and the quality was good. So it ended up working out really well for me. 
So, so then these were products that you were producing in China, and then it wasn't like okay, you, you discontinue those and you're starting brand new, you know, SKUs and stuff. But you're producing the exact same product, but now at a factory in Vietnam. That's correct. And the reason for doing so is I wanted to avoid the 25% additional tariff from China. Okay. Now, how, how, did, how did that turn out? I just had somebody on the show, we were talking about uh, you know, some people who were producing in China and then they switched to India, but they didn't just, they didn't switch the same product. They just started over again with newer products. So what, what, were there any hiccups like, like as far as quality goes or, or did you start getting bad reviews or, or, or was it the opposite? Did, did people start saying, wait a minute, these products seem better than before? Um, I think the quality is about the same. And I think it really helped out that I had my friend acting as a sourcing agent there in person because uh, during my initial search, I think I had six factories that I looked at and I think five out of six of them were pretty bad once once my friend went to visit them in person. And that's something I would not have known had he not yeah, gone there in person to visit. Um, but having him as a local resource was fantastic. It really helped out. Um, and I think it's the same quality or in a couple components were maybe even a little bit better quality. Okay. Now, how about production price and shipping price? Obviously, the difference in tariff is uh, substantial, 25%. Uh, is it 0% or, or is it 5% or what's the what's the tariff for the Vietnamese products? Um, well, it's a 0% added. That 25% that I mentioned is an added on top of what the, uh, the current, okay. the normal rate is for your product. And that rate is going to vary depending on what type of product you sell. So our products, uh, one of the products is 3.3% normal tariff rate. So you have to add the yeah. 25% China uh, if it's coming from China, and that would be 0% additional from Vietnam. Another of our product was 17.6% regular tariff. So once you add the 25, it gets quite expensive. So Yeah. Okay, so so there's that savings. Were there any other savings, or did everybody, everything else pretty much come out about the same as what you were paying in China as far as logistics and uh, supply? Right. The shipping was about the same from China, and then the actual manufacturing cost was right about the same maybe a slight bit lower on a couple of products just because my sourcing agent friend was able to negotiate a better deal. But it's pretty much the same. At the end of the day, I, I basically saved the 25%. Okay, cool. I like it. I like it. That's pretty cool. I haven't, I don't think we've had anybody on the show who uh, was getting supply from Vietnam. So that's pretty interesting. Any, any other big events uh, or, or actually while we're on that, that, that was the, the pet uh, brand you were talking about, right? So what was your 20, uh, 20 sales for the pet brand just by itself? Uh, it was one point, just shy of 1.2 million. And we, we could have okay. been a lot higher, but we were out of stock for, I'd say about two months worth of uh, collective. Wow. So already a lot better than uh, even the uh, the baby brand that you sold was. Right, yeah. It is a bigger company um, where it gets more sales than, than the baby product does. Cool. Uh, let's go back to, uh, to uh, Jake now. Jake, uh, for your 2020 overall sales for, from the different brands that you and your partner run, what were the gross sales, just rough estimate around? Uh, all things together, I think we were about four and a half mil. Um, okay, four and a half million. And are you exclusively sourcing in China? More or less. We have a little bit here in the States, but uh, I was listening pretty intently on on the Vietnam portion. <laughs> Because we're, we're rapidly we're, taking notes. I yeah, love it. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's actually interesting. Well, what what do you produce in India? I mean, not what do you like, you don't have to tell me the product, but like what kind of uh, like how did that happen? Because that's that's kind of a rarity where, you know, if, it, if it's not China, it's, we're talking maybe Vietnam or or India or Pakistan, you know, but uh, usually 
things in the United States are priced so high that it's hard to to uh, to, to make work. How were you guys able to make that work? Uh, it was actually a supplier we met at, uh, I don't remember if it was ASD or the White Label Expo. I forget which it was, but it, it's a soap product. And I don't want, <laughs> I want somebody I can fly to. Now, what are, are some of the, you know, like, what would you say is like one of the main wins for you as far as how you guys were able to scale up to seven figures? Because, you know, everybody at one point or another, I would say 50% of people who have gone to college in this country have sold a textbook on Amazon. They don't all end up making uh, four or five million dollars on Amazon. So what were some of the strategies like last year that, that you did to that really help you guys scale up uh, on the private label side? Uh, you know, um, coming from the retail arbitrage and the, the textbooks type stuff background, we were able to stack up some cash with those killer margins. And, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain point, a lot of that stuff just became harder and harder to sell on Amazon. And that's kind of what drove us in that direction. And just, I mean, we literally build half our products on that looks cool. You know, we, we look for, for, you know, functionality and kind of aesthetically pleasing on on our, one of our big brands it's it's kind of in the rpg world and we literally does that look rpg like world role playing games yeah, yeah yeah oh okay and you know we started that out with two products because that type of product wasn't really on amazon like it existed but you know the demand we could tell there's demand but it wasn't really being found i don't think and now that product alone has like almost 90 variations in color, let alone all wow. the other accessories that we have for, for playing those types of games. Like we haven't done anything outside of Amazon to drive traffic to our site. It's, you know, some customer loyalty and just word of mouth and setting up. Whole, and that's how we've got wholesale accounts was just kind of word of mouth. People telling the places they shop, like, I like this product. Can you get it? Then we get another wholesale. See, that, that's why I don't know any of this stuff. You know, we're just, like I said, you know, guys, everybody who's listening out there, uh, it's not just a spiel where I say, hey, this is a organic, unrehearsed. That's what I want this to be. We're, we're just like guys having a, a chit chat about what's going on. I didn't, I don't know any of this stuff <laughs> about Jake. I didn't do some uh, research so I can ask some cool questions and, and hopefully get the answer I was looking for. You just said something right now that piqued my interest that I don't think we've discussed in at least 100 episodes, if ever, is not wholesale, not you doing wholesale as in like, you know, buying products and reselling it, but you've got a brand that's successful on Amazon and you're getting distributors to buy it from you. Is that, is that what I'm understanding? Not quite distributors. It's, it's, it's specific stores, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of nice and a box of inventory out the door that we're done with. We don't have to sell it to anybody. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so like what's, What's, are, are there like, you know, grocery chains or, or department store chains or, you know, mom and pop shops? What kind of uh, accounts are we talking about? So here? Our, our big brand is in the, some game shops. I think he gets a couple inquiries a week from not doing anything. We're just selling stuff on Amazon. And then how, how do they find you? Like, do you guys, have, is it from your website or are they contacting you on Amazon or? From our website. Um, we have basically a Shopify store set up through our website and. We fulfill both our direct consumer and our wholesale orders through the same system. So we just got that wholesale link and people inquire. And I think the, the goal on that is not to just expand B2B. We want more traffic going to our site because, you know, 
one feeds the other. And at the end of the day, all roads lead back to Amazon. Yep. Yep. That, that's, that's exactly what I was about to lead yeah. to because <laughs> it, it, if your product is getting into brick and mortar or, or even other places, what happens is people see it, they're interested in it, but they're like, let me just go see if it's on Amazon. You know, like I don't want to buy it right now, but I, I just want to deliver it to me in a couple of days. And then who knows, you know, you can't really measure that kind of, um, uh, exposure, you know, so, so that's, that's pretty cool. Right. Ryan, what, what about you? Are you doing any like a uh, wholesaling, uh, your own private label products? Um, yeah, for the pet brand, we are selling to chewy.com. So they'll buy in bulk. And what kind of discount are you giving, uh, like off of what the retail prices on Amazon are? Well, that's a tricky question. Um, because we have to give them a sell price and then we also have to give them about 30% allowances uh, to account for inbound freight, marketing budget, returns, damages, uh, things like that. So uh, at the end of the day, I maybe make about 20% margin on those products. Okay. That, that's not, that's very, definitely decent. Now, do you have like map pricing for them or say, Hey guys, don't be advertising it lower because if I'm not mistaken, like if it's a big enough website and they start pricing it lower, you're going to lose your buy box on Amazon because Amazon is checking out other websites. And if, if your Amazon price is ever like way higher or even just a few cents, sometimes higher than a major website, they're going to just going to suppress that buy box. Yep. Absolutely. We have to enforce the map pricing. And, uh, when we want to raise our price on Amazon, we have to go and fight with Chewy to raise their price or their map price as well uh, before we can do that on Amazon because we'll definitely lose the buy box. Okay. All right. That's important for, for anybody who's listening out there to know, you know, if you guys are selling private label, what, what Jake and Ryan are doing is actually pretty cool. You know, trying to, you know, get other websites or other mom and pop shops or, or chains to buy your product. But just keep in mind that you got to have, you know, a good agreement in place where you can still control the pricing because Amazon is very particular uh, about that. You know, especially it's like, it's almost instantaneous in Walmart. Like, I don't know if you, I know Ryan, you sell in Walmart a lot, but, but when I was uh, working for this one company and we had something on Walmart, like I would change it. And then the next day, Amazon would already suppress the buy box or sometimes within hours they would suppress the buy box because the Walmart price, you know, they had like a rollback or something like that. And the price went down. You, you ever, you ever had that issue too? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think it, sometimes it's even like 30 minutes I'll lose the buy box on Amazon. So it's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really, uh, really got their eyes open to what's going on, 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 on Walmart. Speaking of Walmart, since we're starting to worth you, uh, Ryan, how did your Walmart business, uh, expand in uh, 2020? Yeah. So the Walmart business, we focus primarily on our food products. Um, you can call it wholesale because we're buying from a distributor. You can also call it drop ship since we're sending the orders to the distributor for fulfillment directly to the customer. Um, so because of COVID, we're in the bulk food business. You can imagine March and April, May, those months were pretty insane sales-wise. Uh, we had maybe a 10 times increase during that period of time. Uh, we had to actually remove about 1,000 items from Walmart and Amazon because um, they were like toilet paper or sanitizer items or maybe Oh, yeah uh rice or beans they were just selling way too fast for us to we were concerned about the uh, distributor being able to actually fulfill the order all right guys quick break from this episode for my bts remember that can mean bradley's 30 seconds 
or if you're an NFL fan, maybe it's Bills, Titans, Steelers, whatever you want it to mean, here's my 30-second tip of the episode. All right, so if you run one of your competitor's ASINs in Cerebra, our reverse ASIN lookup tool in Helium 10, and you are looking and filter it out for the sponsored keywords, that means all the keywords where Helium 10 has detected them and sponsored, most of the time you're gonna see hundreds if not thousands of keywords that show up. And that probably means because they're they're running like a bunch of auto campaigns and broad campaigns. So you don't really know what their strategy is. But if you ever see a good selling ASIN and there's only like 10, 20, 30 uh, products or I'm sorry, keywords that come up, guess what? You just discovered their exact sponsored ad strategy because it means if there's only 20 keywords that are coming up, they're probably only running an exact manual campaign. And now you know which words they are targeting. Now, what about your um, your pet brand? Uh, are you selling all SKUs that you do on Amazon on Walmart? None at all? Some of them? Or what's going well, on? Right there? now, I am not selling the uh, private label pet brand on Walmart. Um, the sales were really small. Why not? It was really small sales. And then um, we're actually using the same Walmart account for both. And just to keep bookkeeping easier, I just removed the, the pet products. Okay. So... Is that something that you'd like like to do? Because you know, other sellers I've I've talked to, you know, sometimes you know, obviously Walmart will never even come close to what sales on Amazon are. But there are some sellers who you know, ten to twenty percent uh, of the revenue on Amazon or uh, of what they're making on Amazon, they could possibly make on Walmart. So you know, once you're getting up to those one million figure marks, you know, that's still you know six figures now that you could potentially be making on Walmart. Or do you think it's not, it's not that like, it's not, there's not enough demand for that niche in Walmart. Yeah. I mean, historically there wasn't enough demand specifically for our products. Um, I think it was maybe one or 2% of our Amazon sales, but you know, that's something that I can look at this year and, and it's pretty easy to make those products live again. Um, as a comparison, our food products, we were probably getting about, I want to say, 15 or 20% of our Amazon sales were coming from Walmart. So that was a pretty significant number. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, what, what about you, Jake? Are you guys uh, selling on any other platforms? You know, you mentioned it's like 4 million overall. You only got about uh, uh, 50, 60,000 on Shopify. Are you on Walmart or any other platforms? We're on Walmart a little bit. Um, not really. We got we to gotta get our multi-channel uh, sales and inventory tracking thing figured out. You said you have some SKUs that, did I, did I hear you correct, that have up to 90 variations? Uh, kind of. They're not all under the same parent, um, but yeah, they're all color variations. <laughs> okay, so you, you've got multiple products that, that have multiple variations. Uh, how does your strategy differ as far as keywords and PPC go as opposed to standalone products? Because, you know, that's always a universal question that people have is like, all right, I've got like eight colors. Now, do I make a a PPC campaign for each of the eight colors? Do I, do I put all of those SKUs into one campaign? Do, do I put different keywords in a different listing or do I just copy all the keywords? There's all these questions I think that people who work with variations have. You guys have found the answer. <laughs> what, what do you guys do? Um, you, you could probably ask Vince how many times I've talked to you off about that exact <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> it, it's tough, man. You know, there's there's some campaigns I have not necessarily all of them, but most of the SKUs, like the top sellers, kind of just all there in the same ad group and let Amazon do what they want to do. Um, others, I kind of have them in, their, in different ad groups to try and cherry pick the 
you know, the color oriented keywords that might, you know, need to live specifically with that item. But at the end of the day, that gets to be a lot to manage. So I'm kind of starting to lean back towards putting the top sellers in the same campaigns, same ad group, letting Amazon show what they want to show and moving on and adjusting as need be. The, the thing I run into a lot is a lot of our products kind of overlap on certain keywords and they're just different types of the same product. And it's, it's difficult not to have the same search terms come up in the same campaigns or in different campaigns rather. So like you're afraid of like uh, cannibalizing each other or or competing with each other against myself. So I gotta, I gotta watch that. I think it's kind of a necessary evil for us. Um, I'm hoping you guys can give me a tool to help manage that. <laughs> well, 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 don't always look at that as necessarily a bad thing too, because huge companies, you know, be it Lego or, or these people who have tons and tons of SKUs, you know, they even have this metric, you know, they, they kind of call some of them, uh, call like share a voice and, and they actually want, they want to have, be in multiple places on the same oh, yeah, organically and I sponsored. I want to own, you to only see our brand when you search them. Yeah, I just don't want to make myself pay as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah, sense. I, too. I absolutely try to take up as many ad spaces as possible. All right. Uh, speak, speaking of just different, you know, techniques that, that that have helped you like that with your business model, what would you say if you had to pick one thing that was our cliche hashtag game changer for 2020? Like it, it could have been. I mean, maybe it wasn't even. It was just a complete fluke. Like like that that happened. You know, I, I've had those before where. I never tried to do influencer marketing. We had a product where some vlogger bought it and they just put it in their video. And then we sold out in like three days just because they, they talked about the product in their video. Like that, you know, something like that. What was one thing that happened that you purposely or did it not on purpose did in 2020 that really like just made your sales on that product go haywire? There was a, we had a couple products that got picked up. It actually wasn't even our own. It was uh, wholesale accounts that we had that we, you know, we still do a little bit of regular wholesale too. And mm-hmm. they got some mention, you know, during quarantine, all these local news stations were having toy shop owners, you know, come in and show how to keep your kids off your back, what they can go play with. And a couple of those, you know, landed and, oh my God, you know, you're talking like a 40 X increase overnight. You just brought up a good point, which is almost the same thing of what happened to me is like the first time something happens, maybe it wasn't on purpose. It just happens. But what you got to do is is go and try and figure out what happened. That's exactly what I did. We are like, why did we sell out of this ridiculous product? And then we came, you know, we we started asking some people how they found out about it. And then then we were able to backtrace that it came out in a vlog. So guess what we did? We're like, all right, if we, if this can happen organically, let's try and purposely get people to vlog, you know, about this product. So what you're talking about getting on a morning news show, now it's like, all right, how do we purposely try and get our products on morning news shows or something like that? So that's a, that's interesting, uh, Interesting case there. What about you, Ryan? What was, if you had to like pick one thing uh, other than of course, you know, uh, you know, the pandemic, you know, skyrocketing your sales because of the demand for food and things like that. What, what strategy or unique thing happened to you guys purposely or not on purpose? That was your hashtag game changer moment of 2020. That would be licensing. Um, I mentioned this briefly on our last podcast episode last year. Um, and that is, I have a client that I, help him develop new products for and we got a license deal with a with a big well-known brand and uh we 
launched three products in a pretty competitive space right uh, the, the first day of the launch was Thanksgiving, actually. Um, so I was a little afraid coming into the market right there at the peak of the holiday season um, with a brand new product, with zero reviews. But I think having that licensing really helped because even though we had zero reviews, we still had some pretty good sales volumes on these products, uh, like 30 to 40 sales per unit per day, which I w was not expecting from the beginning. And I think that's because of the brand authority. Uh, and we really stood out from all these other private label, no name brands. Cool. I like it. Ryan, what about 2021? What's your big goal for this year uh, for any of your e-commerce business, be it Walmart, Amazon, or, or other? Sure. Um, for the food business, we're focused on getting bulk orders and repeat business, uh, business to business section. So we are trying to target those sales through our own website and then follow up with these customers to get regular orders from them, like ship pallet loads of product at a, each month to these people. Um, for the private label pet brand, we just want to focus on profitability and staying in stock. So we've got a better plan of uh, bringing in a container of goods every four weeks and keeping on a, a really tight schedule so that we never run out of inventory and we have the proper cash flow to stay in stock. Because historically, the last four years, we've always had maybe about two months per year worth of being out of stock and it just really hurts. Um, and then personally, I would like to create another company for um, myself that I have 100% ownership in, and uh, I've got some ideas of what to do. I want to do something with some recurring revenue, um, something that I can just grow much bigger and sell for a seven-figure exit, or if I can attain it, maybe eight figures after like two or three years' time. Because I know that that's probably wow. One of I love the it. Now that's somebody who's got their, uh, you know, I didn't tell him I was going to ask him that question, but he, he like obviously has been thinking about this because he was able to answer right away. What about uh, you, Jake? No pressure to, to have such an eloquent uh, <laughs> uh, list of goals there, but, but have you thought about what your goals are for you and your your partner this year? For 2021, we're really looking at trimming the fat, um, you know, underperforming SKUs, you know, overspending on some PPC, all, all of the above. We're looking to refine a lot of that and then, you know, expanding the b2b sales let's keep it with you uh jake uh we have something on on the show every episode we do call the tss or the tst 30 second tip so you know you've talked about different strategies that that's helped you in, in your business this year but what's something you haven't mentioned yet that you can say in like 30 seconds or less that you know can be about ppc it could be about you know i i notice you you do a lot of your own warehousing like i'll, I'll see you on calls and you'll be like in the background packaging stuff you know it could be about about that could be any anything that you feel you've got some unique uh insights on um you know it's like probably two things don't be a jerk to seller support because they hold your fate in their hands whether they know what they're doing or not um i tell people i have a head high divot in my office where i bang my head against the wall when i have to open a new case but you know, they they can make your day really suck or completely change and fix something you didn't know you had an issue with. Um, the other thing is customer support, man. Like it, we have so many positive reviews that we're, you know, I just simply took care of the customer. Like it was a defect, our fault, wasn't our fault, whatever. UPS jumped on it before they delivered it. It doesn't matter. Make them happy. You know, as long, you know I'm not saying if they're being a jerk about it, you know, give them the world, but Solid customer service, you know, if you if you have a defect or an issue, that's your opportunity to like really brighten someone's day. It sounds so cliche and silly, but 
like they remember our brand because they got something that had all the teeth broke off of it. And we're like, Oh God, here's another one. Don't even worry about returning that side note. This epoxy works really well at gluing those back on. Now you have two. So that builds a lot of brand loyalty. I think. I like it. I like it. What about you, uh, uh, Ryan, what's your 30 second tip for us? So this is not very advanced and I know it's probably been mentioned before, but Amazon posts, I think is a really fantastic way to get additional eyeballs to your listings. Um, try to do a post every single day. Uh, I have a virtual assistant that helps me out and we do, uh, I try to have her do five times a week, but sometimes it's only three times a week. But anyways, uh, with all the posts that we've been doing, we're getting at least 10 or 15 visits to our product detail page per day. And, uh, you know, at a 10% conversion rate, that's at least one sale per day just coming from posts. So I think it's a fantastic program for you to get extra eyeballs to your listing. It doesn't cost anything. I do think that Amazon's probably going to start charging for that at some point in the future. Um, but even like the old posts that have been around for more than two months or three months are still getting new impressions. So that's pretty interesting to me. I have no idea how Amazon determines where they show up or whatnot, but it does seem like if you talk in kind of general terms about a big uh, general subject, I think I see, seem to get more impressions on those posts than some of the more very specific and targeted uh, language posts. I like it. I like it. Uh, we actually, like right before I got on with you guys, I recorded a, a podcast with Norm Farrar who talked a little bit about a post. So guys, make sure to go back. If you didn't hear that, go back to the last episode and, and take a listen to that. All right, guys, thank you so much for, for joining. Real quick, one last thing. Both of you also happen to be uh, Helium 10 uh, Elite members. So as part of the Elite program, is, is there one thing, you know, you don't have to give out away uh, the secret sauce that sometimes Kevin King gives out, but has there been anything recently that you've that you've heard uh, from the presentations or from possibly you know just networking in that private group that has really helped you, Jake? Um, you know, we signed up for Elite in October 2019 because I heard you mention that the ads software was coming out to that first, and I needed help there. And going back and forth, working with Vince, with letting my ADD kind of run wild on features and stuff. That's been super positive experience. Like that's just been, you know, to have a complaint about something and watch it get fixed. That's been awesome. What about you, Ryan? What what's your been your biggest? I mean, you've been one of our longest uh, time elite members. What's been your biggest uh, advantage or takeaway from being a, a elite member? Um, you know, the networking with other elite members is fantastic. The opportunities that we have to get together and talk and potentially work on things together that's been awesome. And then just uh, coincidentally. Me and Jake have a, we're kind of in a duel um, on the quarterly workshops that go on. There's the trivia, and I think I won one, and Jake was second place, and then vice versa. Jake beat me. Yeah. So we'll have to see what happens this third. Wait, what did you win? What did you guys win the last time on that on that one elite trivia? Uh, I won a Nintendo Switch, and then also I think it was uh, Amazon gift card in, in one of the previous ones. Yeah, I uh. I won the Switch as well, which I gave that to my six-year-old for Christmas, and I've actually been playing it a little bit lately, which has been pretty awesome. Um, and my wife, I, uh, she also got an Apple Watch for Christmas that I won earlier last year. So from from one of the elite yeah, workshops, yeah. So please don't Apple, Matt. We're like we're like oh, I didn't even realize we're like Oprah in this. Yeah, thing. yeah. 
giving out some nice gifts. Anyways, if anybody else is interested in in the Helium 10 Elite program, if you're looking to scale up, you know, you're a six, seven-figure seller and, and you want to network with other people, make sure to go to h 10 dot me forward slash elite h10 dot me forward slash elite uh jake and ryan thank you so much for giving me your time and or not just me but the whole audience here we always love to hear uh great stories from just regular people you know neither of you got your own youtube channel you're not you're not instagram lamborghini influencers or anything you're just you know we, we got a couple people here who came from completely different backgrounds uh and are now crushing it on amazon it's always great to see i i know you guys inspire a lot of people out there when people can see that, hey, regular people can also have success on Amazon. So thank you for uh, giving us your time and we'll definitely uh, keep in touch.